is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, here we are, beginning of September. Market is starting to pick up. All sorts of things happening in the autumn of real estate. And uh, numbers are looking pretty good. I got some great guests this hour, by the way. Uh, Greg Benell from BNM Bloomberg is going to be joining us. I always love to get Greg's take on the economy and what's going on in the real estate market. And a little bit later in the hour, joining me in the studio is the Honorable Mayor Bonnie Crombie. And she is from Mississauga. And she's going to be joining me. We're going to talk about Mississauga. And, you know, they've got some interesting things going Going on there that you definitely want to listen to you know great development happening but they're looking and focusing on affordability a little bit more than I think a lot of municipalities so make sure you stay tuned for the Honorable uh, Mayor Bonnie Crombie to uh, to chat with me um, a lot of things going on though definitely uh, uh, this week and I'm gonna I'm gonna go pretty quickly through some of the the some of the points that I want to make because there was a ton of stuff in the news um, I've been on with a, a couple of different hosts here we're talking about all sorts of things like renovation, uh, you know, can you cancel your listing, all sorts of neat things that are going on. And hey, listen, don't forget, you might be catching my commercial uh, just before the round table with uh, John Moore. Uh, we've got our newest release. Um, units are going fast. So if you're thinking of buying an investment property that is affordable, we've got units starting at $129.9, fully tenanted. You've got your rent every single month, no matter what fully managed. You have to do absolutely nothing. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com today. You don't want to miss out on this. Um, we don't have any new releases coming up for quite a while. So uh, if, you, if you're if you really thinking of being a real estate investor, it's affordable, you got positive cash flow, and you don't want to miss. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com and, uh, and check us out. See what we've got for you. It's pretty amazing stuff. Um, but uh, a couple of things that came across uh, uh, came across the wire here, and a couple of people actually reached out to me and said, "Hey, Todd, can I cancel my listing?" And they actually reached out to me uh, looking to see if I would list their house for them. I don't do that any longer. I don't practice uh, active real estate where I'm selling people's houses or buying people's houses. But great question because a lot of people right now are starting to struggle. Their houses aren't selling. They might have gone with somebody that perhaps may not have had the experience, or they're just for some reason not having the luck that they wish they did. And ultimately, in the end, they're, they're fed up, they're frustrated, and they want to start reaching out to agents. Now, again, I caution any agent from talking about the existing listing agent or anything that they have done. This is one of those things that, you know, as most people know that have listened to the show quite a bit, we do have RICO, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, join us every once in a while. We talk about the rules and regulations, and as realtors, just so you know, you can't turn around and go slam another agent. And as a consumer, one of the things, again, I would caution you, you know, you try to negotiate with your, to get your listing cancelled. You can either reach out to the broker or reach out to your listing agent. But ultimately, in the end, if the listing has expired, once that is done, you can entertain anybody else you wish. But while you're under contract, meaning that timeline that you've signed that listing agreement and they are your, acting as your listing representative, you can't really turn around and start dissing the agent, what they've done, and try to get an agent to come out and, and, and actually try to list your house. What has to happen is you can ask them what their services provide, you can ask them what kind of exposure they give, you can talk to them, but you cannot sign any paperwork until you either have yours cancelled or that it is 
terminated or at the end of the actual contract. So I caution everybody, especially realtors, on how to handle this. And this is going to become a little bit more prevalent uh, prevalent uh, in the next little while because we will see you know some listings that aren't flying off the shelves. And so if that's the case, just be very, very cautious. Uh, I was talking with Richard Krauss uh, this past week uh, about renoviction. And this is where landlords turn around and they kind of mislead a tenant. Uh, they 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 kick them out, they turn around, renovate a suite, and then they reoccupy it with a new tenant, but they they crank up the rents. Now, a lot of times people can turn around and then com- make a complaint and they can actually uh, fine the landlord for kicking them out. And you know you can get fines up to $100,000 for misrepresentation. So I caution landlords in this case. But if you are a tenant and you accept a move out fee, meaning the landlord comes to you and says, listen, I'm going to give you $5,000 for your moving expenses. I want to cancel your lease and you're going to move out. And you do accept this. And then you struggle at a later date. There's no, no recourse you have on that landlord at that point. They didn't force you out if you've accepted, some people call it a bribe, but I would just call it as a, you know, just a, a, a tidbit to get you to, to, to move or help you out. Um, so this is one of those things that I think people have to be very, very cautious with. And, you know, if you do have any issues, you can always go to the landlord-tenant boards in your municipality and find out, you know, what their ruling is on it. Uh, again, one of the complaints that people have been issuing is that people are saying that they're going to move in themselves. You know, they're going to go owner-occupied and then they turn around and re-rent it after doing some work. So this is this is one of those cases that we're going to see a little bit more rear its head. And, uh, you know, we just I, I, I'm going to just tell people to exercise caution. Uh, also, a couple other topics that we've been talking about, you know, a lot of people are looking at, you know, buying into a neighborhood that they're really not familiar with. Just a couple of things that I think people need to do is don't just show up once, you know, at a certain hour and expect that that's what the neighborhood really does represent. You know, go at different hours, maybe show up in the morning, show up at night, see what the neighborhood really is like. What is what is the, the vibe? What is the feel of the neighborhood? Because if you show up at two o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's at work, kids are at school, it may not be the same on a Saturday morning, a Saturday night. And one of the things that I think people need to do is, you know, make sure that they've got a lot of the little things, you know, watched out for. Um, you know, if you walk into a house because you're taking a look at it, yank out your phone. See if you do have cell signal. I know that sounds kind of silly, but a lot of people don't realize that in certain neighborhoods, they kind of get these little blank spots. You know, your commute, if you, if you know you're going to be commuting and then people say, yeah, it's about a half an hour to downtown, drive it. Go do it yourself. I think it's a great idea that you actually, you know, get in the car at the hour that you would normally leave your house and drive to work, take, go to, go to the school, find out what your obstacles you're going to have. Uh, noise, you know, I always, uh, I always refer back to the, the movie Trains, Planes and Automobiles. You know, uh, in th- pretty much in Ontario, you're going to hear one two or three of them. And so I think it's very important that people realize, you know, truly what kind of noise factor is in the area. Neighbors, if you can meet them, say hi to them. You know, you never know who's next door. There's always that joke where, you know, the Hells Angels come in, the motorcycle gangs or something. Um, and, and you know, it was one of those things that they had on one of the commercials. It's like, oh, I didn't know you you lived next door. Um, you know, value and location. Uh, you know, if if you're thinking that you're going to sell it in the future, who's going to want to buy it? Did they, uh, did they over-improve it? 
it? Can you get some extra money out of it? How about water pressure? You know, if you're in old neighborhoods, turn on the taps. See if your shower is going to work the way you want it to. Um, bedroom to bathroom ratio. You know what? I know this is a tough one. And with costs the, the way they are today, you know, it's making it a little bit difficult. Sometimes people say, yeah, I'll take the one bathroom. But really think of your lifestyle. So just a couple tips. If you're out looking, you know, you've got a little bit more leeway right now. And uh, and the truth is, with the market just kind of, you know, stumbling along, that's what we'd say with the numbers out, that uh, I believe that, you know, you, you have an opportunity to do a little bit more due diligence, make sure you do your conditions, and I think you're in a lot better shape. So joining me now is Greg Bennell from BNN. Always a pleasure to have Greg on. In fact, I haven't had him on pretty much most of the summer. And, and Greg, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I think it took a little summer break. Now we're refreshed. We got lots of, lots of stuff to talk about. Lots. We sure do. You know, when, when, you, when you take a look at the summer, a lot of times, you know, real estate kind of falls off the map during the summer. And not so much this time. You know, we've got, uh, we've got some interesting announcements that obviously happened uh, over the last few weeks, at least. Uh, one being the, uh, the, the Treb trying to fight the Competition Bureau. What do you think? That was years and years and years, and finally we, we came to a conclusion. I mean, the Supreme Court, top court in the land, when they said, we don't want to hear this case, it's already been decided, that just opened up the information, and you're starting to see it on those. That, that was the caveat, right? If you have a password-protected website and you sign up, you can go in, you can see the past sold uh, data, you can see uh, how many days it was on the market. I've actually found it really fascinating. Some people, and, and I had people on BNN Bloomberg that day, uh, the John Pasalis uh, uh, from Philosophy, had Lauren Hoff from Zucasa. They were excited about this information coming forward because in the end they said, in this age of information, when people are used to being able to get all of this detail online, it didn't make sense to them that we were so carefully guarding it, and we, by we, I mean them as an industry, because I mean, they're in, into selling real estate, that's what they do, but sure. they were guarding those pieces of information. Like, this is the kind of stuff that should be out there, and then the relationship becomes deeper. And on a personal level, not that I'm looking to buy or sell, but it sort of got me interested in real estate again. Like, when I could go on now, and I went onto one of those websites, Password Protected, and start to see my neighborhood, what it, what it actually sold for, what they asked. And it was just sort of interesting to me, and it sort of engaged me in the process again. So from one person's point of view, it actually made me a little more interested in what was happening in real estate in my neighborhood, because beforehand, I go for a walk with my wife or with the dog, she'd say, they're asking $1.3 million for that house. I'm like, you can ask whatever you want. Yeah. Now it's fascinating that. to me to find out what they got, and then it gives me a better idea of, hmm, maybe this and that. It sort of sucked me back in when I had sure. been out for a little while. Well, you know, it's interesting though. Treb seemed to be still a little hesitant on how it's all going to get released. You know, if you if you looked at some of their reaction to to what happened, some of their news releases, you know, they've been very guarded about it. It wasn't like the floodgates opened. And then we've got BC realtors still are not allowed to openly publish home sale prices, even though this was a federal decision. So they figured that a lot of the major boards were going to start, you know, dealing with this and saying, okay, look at, you know, this has been the major decision. So BC's, you know, they're on the fence too. And it just seems, I think, I think it's going to be kind of a slowly, you know, I, there wasn't this gush that I expected. I literally expected, you know, when, when, cause I, you and I've been watching this, you know, and I really expected the floodgates to open like crazy. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Because there was no order that said, this was all about the Toronto board. And this was the fight that the Toronto board had for several years, but there was nothing in the process that said, and if this information does, you know, come out from behind that gated wall, Vancouver has to do it. Montreal has to do it. Ottawa has to do it. There was no order specifically like that. It was always the inference that, yeah, we, we took this, you know, to the competition commission and went all the way to the top court of the land. 
if you fight it in Vancouver, if you fight it somewhere else, you're probably going to lose too. I mean, there's sure. the precedent. But right now, they're all just sort of sitting and waiting and trying to assess what are we going to do. I, I can understand that the mode of thought saying, because that was the relationship in the past. You'd be like, oh, I want to list my house. I don't know what I should list it for. I don't know what other people have been getting. And that was the information that was safeguarded. That's when the, you know, the agent would come into your house and show you all, and you, and you formed a strategy together. But I think some of the other people who have been thinking toward the future of what that relationship is going to be saying, it's no big deal that this information, you already have this. I offer you a lot more in this transaction than just telling you what your neighbor's house sold for last year. Yeah, good. I want you to hang on to that thought because I want to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to go to a quick break. Folks, when we come back, I'm going to be back with Greg Bennell from BNN. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Greg Bennell from BNN. You've heard him here uh, for the last few years and always a great contributor. Greg, just before the break, you and I were talking about the uh, the federal court decision that uh, Treb and the Competition Bureau, that the Competition Bureau will, they, they, they kept the decision. Treb cannot fight it. Information gets leaked out. But, you know, one of the things, and I think one of the greatest concerns, is that there was some some thought that there's going to be a lot of pressure now on commissions because that, you know, people are going to start having more access to information. So it means that they don't quite need realtors for that last carrot. What's your take on that? Yeah, the idea that uh, this was the only information. When I think about that, and twice in my life I, I've bought real estate. Uh, when we started off as a condo, as a married couple, we had the kids, we moved up to a house, you know, the whole Canadian story. But even if I had had this information at the time, if I had known you know, better in my mind what I could price my home for and what other people were getting, I don't have the expertise to the next level. I think of all the documents I had to sign, the fact that a lawyer was involved, that there was you know title searches and all this kind of stuff. I think I'm smart enough to figure all that stuff out. The fact is I don't want to. I think I'm probably smart <laughs> enough to figure out how to be a dental hygienist. Nothing against dental hygienist, but if I'd gone to school for that, I probably could have figured that out as well. Sure. But I get someone else to clean my teeth. Like you know, that kind of relationship where here's little pieces of information, but I th- there was so much else going on. And I'm a terrible negotiator, too. I mean, the fact yeah. that we had an agent go in and play a little hardball back and forth, I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that says, oh, is that what you want? I'll give it to you. So I think there's other things there. And I think the fact that the wall was around those little pieces of information as if they were the, the only gold that was on offer, to me, always struck me as a bit strange. Yeah. And you know, and, and so I'm going to put on my realtor hat because, as you know, I, I spent 25 years in the trenches. I would have to say that that was one of the things that created the insecurity for realtors because, you know what, you, you, you nailed it on the head. If a, if a realtor's full-time professional understands their, their, their craft, then they are a negotiator. They do understand the paperwork. They understand the rules. They know how to read a, a market, an area, you know, a property. So there's so much more value, but yet they were hanging their hats on this one little nugget for so long. You know, I think I, I, I'm glad that we're done with it. I'm glad that we're able to move on from it. I just hope that realtors themselves realize their true value if they they are going to you know stay in the industry. It's probably going to bring out the the best in breed as well because if all you had to offer was that little piece of information on the printout paper of you know what things that sold for you in your neighborhood, if that's all you're offering, then you're probably not that great at what you do. It is the the great ones, the negotiators who come in. It's a it's a business transaction. It's it's probably the biggest, at least in my life. Those were the two biggest business transactions of my life. I was glad 
we had that advocate, it was the same guy both times, uh, to go in there and, and do the haggling and do the back and forth and know the game. Because the first time around, we definitely didn't know the game at all. Yep. That's what he did for us. Yeah, excellent. So Bank of Canada this week decided to hold the raids. We kind of all expected it, especially with you know the current, you know, Art of the negotiation by Donald Trump with NAFTA and all that, you know, everything's kind of sitting on the fence right now, um, you know, but, you know, there's the talk of potentially going up in October, but, you know, the numbers over the overall Canadian economy, like we're, we're seeing fluctuating stories. What's, uh, you know, what's your read on this? I think they're probably, unless NAFTA completely collapses and nothing can be salvaged from the deal, I think the Bank of Canada is going to hike at that meeting near the end of October. And that'll mean, of course, if you have the floating rate mortgage and you have the floating rate loans, little more expensive to service it. When I talk to the people, the Bay Street economists who watch all this, and they don't know how many more rate hikes the Bank of Canada has in them before ultimately they have, they're going to be in a position where they just sort of hold neutral. They're not trying to get people to spend by making money cheap, but they're not trying to tamp down the economy either. And the thinking too is that historically people will go back and say, these are very low rates, and they are historically, and that at some point we're going to get back to where we were in the 70s or in the 80s when we are at the, the, the height. But then other people say, no, well, wait a minute, it's a different game now. The consumers, uh, homeowners are much more sensitive to rates. This idea, it's, I, I don't want to get too esoteric, but there's this idea of what a neutral rate is. And it's simply, it's the rate where you're not uh, making, you know, enticing people to spend to stoke the economy, but you're not sort of tamping down the economy either. That rate is probably a lot lower than it was historically. So while we know borrowings may become more expensive, it's probably not going to go the way it has in the past. And, and so when that plays out to the housing market, it gets very interesting. And then I hate to word, use the R word because I don't want to see a recession. Uh, but these things are cyclical, right? And sure. it's been a long time that we've had this like very slow expansion from you know the chaos of eight, nine, ten years ago. It's going to come again, and the bank needs dry powder. So they're going to give probably a few more hikes in there, a little more expensive for us to borrow, a little more expensive for us to service our debt if we're floating, and then the game might turn the other way again. <laughs> Well, yeah. And I mean, if we take a look at some of the world economies, some of the countries now, they're having to borrow more, you know, they're in trouble. And I think, I just think it's kind of, it is a ticking time bomb as most recessions are. And, you know, I'm not going to say total collapse, um, but, you know, maybe not quite there yet. But, you know, we're watching, we're keeping our eye on the Vancouver real estate market and uh, it, it, it's gone cold. You know, it's it, it's not, you know, cadaver cold yet, but um, it has definitely gotten colder than they thought it would. Um, are you are you following Vancouver? So, you know, are we watching it enough to say that you know it's it, it, it's done the turn right now? You wonder about Vancouver in the sense that we know that in Toronto we had the dramatic run up in prices uh, to levels that no one in Toronto had ever seen, but it was still pale in comparison to what happened in Vancouver. I mean, you still get these crazy listings in Vancouver where there's just the thing there's the shack that doesn't even look good as the shed in my backyard, and it's crumbling, and the asking is three and a half, four million. You just wonder if that exhaustion just came into the market where people are like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't. Money is more expensive than it was a couple of years ago. I can't buy a lean to that's falling apart no. for three and a half million dollars. I mean, as crazy as the Toronto market got and how some of the homes were like, oh, it's not the greatest house in the world. It's a little small, but I didn't see too many lean-to shacks that were just completely unusable going for four million dollars. So I think they had their own kind of mania out there that, that couldn't last forever. But yeah, you're right. When year over year, you look at sales volumes, they're down dramatically. The market is very cold. And meantime, in Toronto, we had our massive run in, run up. We saw the pullback in average prices, you know, on a benchmark basis. They're about flat year over year in Toronto. Activity is coming back in the market, so we seem to have 
not gone as crazy as Vancouver and not suffered as bad on the other end. Yeah, our, our dips and valleys aren't quite the same, you know, the peaks and that. And, and I would say that, you know, August numbers came through not too, too bad, you know, up a little from last year, August. But last year, August, that's where we, we were seeing, you know, obviously the, the prices going down from the peak that we saw. And, you know, sales, sales are up a little, but again, not astronomically. So we might have, you know, hit a, more of a stable market at this point. It'd be lovely to get back to a place where either real estate, because it's such a big part of people's lives, it became such a polarized debate that either you're evil incarnate because you were buying and selling real estate or, or you know, you're on the other side. It's like real estate can only go up forever. It's like I think there's a place in the center where it's healthy to perhaps move into a bigger house or a smaller house, depending on what point in your life you're in. Like the, the whole reason for housing, uh, like I said in my story, we got the condo, we were young marrieds, we had two kids, it was good enough for a couple of years, then we moved into a house, like sort of those progressions, and then maybe at some point, the kids grow up, they leave, we, we move out of the house. Like this is sort of just, you know, progress of life kind of stuff. And at, at one point, the, it became so strange that either you were a bad person for being in real estate or, you know, you're on the other <laughs> side. And it just, it, it got very strange. I think people would like to see a little normalcy. And yeah. if that's what we're getting right now, a little normalcy, that would be sort of nice. It certainly would. Greg, where is, uh, what, what time's the show uh, each week for our listeners to watch? Uh, daily at 2 p.m. Eastern time on BNM Bloomberg. I have a show called The Real Economy. And uh, it's a lot of stuff about the economy, but obviously housing is a huge part of that. Yeah. Well, listen, Listen, Greg, always a pleasure having you on, and uh, we'll stay in touch and, and talk to you in the next little while. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Greg Bennell from BNN Bloomberg. And coming up after the break, I've got the mayor of Mississauga in the studio with me. She's standing by, Mayor Bonnie Crombie. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And welcome back. My guest now in the studio here with me is the mayor of Mississauga, the Honorable Bonnie Crombie. And Madam Mayor, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me back, Todd. Always a pleasure to see you. You know, it's uh, it's so amazing because you've given me your time, you know, over the last little while. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot to talk about, of course. Yes, we do. Um, you know, as you know, uh, I've, I've kind of got a soft spot for Mississauga, born and raised. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it's such an amazing city. Um, I have to commend you right off the hop. I think you're doing a wonderful job, okay? And I'm not prefacing that because you've got, you know, an upcoming election. Um, you October know, 22nd. <laughs> yeah, you got it. But, um, you know, last time we were on, um, we didn't quite get our full schedule. You know, you and, I, you and I could have gone on, I think, for two or three shows easily. But one of the things that um, I think is a concern to a lot of people, probably a lot of the, not just the voters, but just, just people in general, is the availability of places to both live, buy, rent. And, um, you know, I think you've got quite a mandate in front of you that you're focusing on, uh, you know, steering the ship here. So I thought I'd bring you back on so you could talk about Mississauga, what you see is, I think, some of, you know, probably the good, the bad, and what's happening in the future. Sure, that's, well, thank you for that wonderful question because I can, it allows me to address so many issues. And first, let me say that we are one of the most dynamic, diverse, and inclusive cities in all of Canada. Now the sixth largest city in Canada, the third largest in Ontario, right? So right. Toronto, Ottawa, and Mississauga. And people don't think of us that way, but we are a booming metropolis where people do choose to live, to work, to invest, raise their families, right? We have over 90,000 businesses. 
73 Fortune 500 companies, 1,400 multinationals. So people choose us as a place to live, work, and invest. Now, we have obviously been suffering with the inflated price of real estate, much like many other communities. And the price of the average price of a home in Mississauga is approaching $750,000. And of course, that is putting it out of the reach of many middle, middle income wage earners and many families. And of course, we want to keep our families here. Yeah. We want to ensure that people can not only work in Mississauga because we're a net importer of jobs. We over we have over a half a million jobs in Mississauga, but we want the people who work in Mississauga to live here and enjoy the wonderful quality of life that we've established. As Hazel McCallion used to say, it's uh, Mississauga quality of life is second to none. And uh, we embrace that as well. It's so true. But we want to make sure that people can afford to live here. So our council pulled together. We had a panel of experts meeting for an over a year to put forward some recommendations on um, ensuring that we have a supply and a stock of uh, housing, affordable housing, housing that is affordable, let's call yep. that, for middle-income earners. So so let's let's back up for a second. What do we deem to be a middle-income earner? Because, mm-hmm. you know, just just for clarity, because you know, there, there, there's kind of a moving target. And I think I think based on, on what we've seen, the evolution over the last few years, I think that number's moved, of course. And of course. so what, what are we looking for? So 55,000 to 100,000, because right at 100,000, then you're on the sunshine list. Sure. So we've got a you know family income house income excuse me household income of fifty five thousand to one hundred thousand is how we're defining for our purposes uh, middle income. So we're looking for housing that's within their reach, and that's housing at a price point of two hundred and seventy eighty thousand to right up to four hundred five hundred thousand. Something right. that is affordable. And sometimes when we speak the, to the developers and ask them to make a product that is affordable, of course the first thing they do is shrink the size of course, and, they, yeah. and they become 450 <laughs> square feet and you can't put a family in that. So we've asked them to make family size units that are affordable. So uh, we have a very aggressive goal. Uh, we want to ensure that we have 35% of new uh, and affordable uh, of, of our new stock uh, as mar- is market rental or, or affordable ownership. So 35% of all new stock, market rental um, and affordable ownership. Okay. So that's our goal. And uh, we have a pretty aggressive um pretty aggressive program plan on, on how we're going to do that. And we are actually the only municipality to come forward with a plan on how to achieve that, how to ensure that middle income earners can continue to live in our great city because we want them to. Yeah. We want average people who are the service employees, uh, you know, nurses, receptionists, uh, librarians, everyone, middle income earners who we want, we want them in our city. They're great people. It's, it's, this is a city for families. Yeah. We want families to live here. You know, it's interesting that you that you touch on a lot of that because, again, being able to work and live in you know a, a closer proximity, I think it's going to add quality of life, of course, and that's of course. one of the things that you've been focusing on. I know. Well, imagine as, if you've got a commute elsewhere, whether it's to Toronto or to wherever else you're working, and it's an hour commute time. Sure. You know, uh, or if you you were commuting to Mississauga um, from the out from the from the suburbs the outskirts, from the sure. outskirts. And yeah. The, 905 region. Imagine the time that takes away from your family, an hour in or more, and out again every day. That could be an hour to three hours a day of commute time. That's time away from your family. So let's let's then talk about you know some of the things that you can see is you know how do we how do we get the the, the builders on side here? I mean you know as as a, as a as a leader as a municipality, you know obviously there's got to be some concessions made to be able to encourage these people. You know I know I know a few of the builders that that are in Mississauga do listen to. 
the show, you know, what what <laughs> what is it that they they can they can kind of you know know that is going to come down the pipe? Because because quite frankly, it's you know we we had the run up in real estate prices, and of course right. you know costs and everything goes up. So so there's got to be some motivation for builders to work with a municipality to be able to assist in this you know predicament. Now we've been working with the development community very closely and build, and uh, they're very supportive of our plan, and, and they've been party to the panel that we had uh, to create this plan for uh, for middle income earners called it's called making room for the middle, and uh, so they're very supportive, and uh, I would say that they're they're a buy-in on on most of our recommendations. The report has forty recommendations, and we call on the development community to be partners and to be collaborators. We call on the provincial government and the federal government to collaborate with us as well. And so some of the types of recommendations, let me tell you, uh, where the onus is on us as well, I can describe some of the recommendations. The first one would be a sort of a, a housing first policy. So if there were be surplus land in Mississauga, there isn't too much, let me I was say. Gonna say there's there not isn't that much too left. much, but yep. there are sometimes little parcels, right? Yep. Uh, so that, that, or if there is um, tax arrears sale, perhaps there have been occasions where we've taken that property and actually sold it for one dollar to Habitat for Humanity so uh, that a, a family can build that house with Habitat for Humanity and you own that home. So any surplus city lands could be used for affordable housing. Yep. So that's our first uh, our first proposal, inclusionary zoning, so yep. that a percentage of new developments when they go up, that the developer commit to having affordable, affordable rental or affordable ownership in the new development. Right Now, that is a policy across Canada in many cities, and there are different percentages that um, have come up, whether it's 20% or 10% or 15%, somewhere in between. We haven't locked down a number yet, right. but we've all agreed that this is very important, that in any new development, and certainly in the new developments that are occurring uh, at the waterfront, the West Village uh, with the Fram Dream Kilmer Partnership, or, or in the Lakeview Partnership, um, down on the old power plant, yeah. they are aware that a percentage of their development will be inclusionary zoning, that they will have to provide some affordable housing. So we have very cooperative and collaborative development community here in Mississauga. They want to work with us. So on the inclusionary zoning, we haven't committed to a percentage, but we're working with the development community to ensure that it does happen. And they've all been very agreeable. Um, using a development charge rebate program, perhaps sure. put it into put it into a pool, put it into um, a trust where we could draw from. We, we even talked about uh, deferring, I won't say wave, but deferring DCs as well. You know, and perhaps there we can work with the community. Um, you know, if we could create a surplus pool, even at the region of Peel, because at the region of Peel is where we build uh, the the subsidized housing, right? Of course, yep. Um, and, and, yeah. Uh, so, the, uh, so whatever we can do to create that pool of funding that we can draw from to assist in the building of affordable. Um, also using Section 37 benefits has been proposed to ensure that we have affordable where possible. And a, a rental housing protection bylaw to protect against conversions and the demolitions of existing rental. So what we're saying is if you're going to take down uh, an existing unit, apartment building, perhaps it's a low rise or a mid-rise and you want to want to put up a large rental or a large condo tower right. and you're taking out 50 units we're going to be asking right. you to put those units 
back in as rental or as affordable sure. units to purchase, particularly if they're on a transit corridor. Yeah. And there may be instances where it may not be right in the same location, but maybe a block away. So, but you want to protect against those conversions because they do take affordable units out of the market. So I'm going to have you hold that thought just for a second. We're going to go to a quick break because okay. I do want to talk more to you about this because there's a lot more than just you know what we've been discussing. So folks, uh, the mayor and myself will be right back. My guest this hour is Mayor Bonnie Crombie. And we'll be right back after this. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Joining me this hour is the Honorable Mayor of Mississauga, Bonnie Crombie. And Madam Mayor, you know, just before the break, you and I were talking about developers and a lot of the programs that Mississauga is implementing to encourage that middle income build for people to have affordability. And, uh, you know, off air, you and I have uh, also had some great conversations about some of the other things that you're doing to, I guess, encourage housing. And one of the ones that for years has always been a bit of a stumbling block for some people is the idea of having a secondary Second unit, unit right. you know, in, in you know right. basement apartments and right. things like that. To make your mortgage more affordable, yeah. or maybe it's a granny suite or a nanny suite, or your eldest son wants to have his own yeah, our oldest child rather, or their yeah, own so sweet. That, that was always a stumbling block. Secondary unit, yeah, right. because because years ago they they said no, we don't want them being built anymore, and then you know they they it made it a little bit difficult because people could not register them, which didn't allow them to get the financing That's and show right. incomes and everything else. But I understand that you know you you're, you're you're looking at a different approach now because this is something that we can encourage, and with the amount of suites that could happen, mm -hmm. it would be phenomenal. I think I think I'm not going to say it's going to solve all the problems, but it's Correct. definitely going to help it. Correct. So I, I'm very proud to say we're, that we are one of the first municipalities to come forward and allow secondary units and allow them to be uh, regulated and, and legislated. And all we ask is they um, they come up to code and, and that they be inspected and so that they are safe. Our primary concern is the safety of the tenants who will reside in the secondary unit. And of course, it is a form of, of affordable housing. It makes a rent, the mortgage payment for the owner more affordable and and it makes rent very affordable for the family or the individuals that may live in the secondary unit. So we have um, we did a test pilot for one year, and we realized that we, we thought the registration was a bit onerous, and so we've reduced the cost and reduced the the amount of red tape involved. And so people are having their units now brought up to code and being inspected, and more and more of them are coming online. And of course, they're a, a, a very welcome source of affordable housing in our city. Yeah, and there could be we've estimated from five thousand to 50,000, we have no idea how many will eventually come online. Yeah. So once upon a time, uh, being back, you know, I'll put on my realtor hat for <laughs> for a while here. Um, you know, we at one point, you know, we knew that there was probably about 10,000 basement apartments, uh, apartments right. in Mississauga. But there was out of all of them, there was about a 1000 that were what we call conforming. So from a Correct. safety standpoint, and, and of course, I know that, you know, one of your biggest concerns is the safety of family, right. And so and 
and this is where I'll tell our listeners, folks, even if you have not registered yet, please make sure that you meet the standards of the fire code because, again, we always have to be concerned about people's safety. And right, in case of a fire, people yeah, need egress, they need access, yep. exits, they need smoke alarms, etc. Yep. They need windows. Uh, exactly. So they, we just ask that they be performing and up to code. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah excellent. You know, I think I think that's a great program because, quite frankly, you know, this this again uh, at this stage and and with some of the builders, they have the potential of putting in that secondary entrance as well that's from right. day one. And if that's part of the part of the program, and they understand that this can be something that can evolve. I think it really does give people the opportunity, you know, to be able to you know add that basement apartment, make affordability, make things a little bit easier. And you know, I think I think it's really important. So. Yes. No, I, I commend you for that. And, and I mentioned the Habitat for Humanity units that we've built. We've actually been building, we've bought, uh, built four more units up in the Malton area around Liberty Village, right. uh, Victory Village rather. Um, and the four townhouses have basement apartments. So yeah. they were built specifically to be, to house eight families. Yeah. Wow. That's it, fabulous. Isn't that terrific? Yeah. So yeah. I'm very pleased. And I have to tell you that, you know, this is actually my fourth election. And when I do knock on doors and I have in the past, whether I was a member of parliament or a councillor or a candidate for mayor, you do see two doorbells often, yeah. often you see two doorbells and, you know, two doors doorways entering the property so you know that there is yeah. uh, is a basement apartment and yeah. so this was a, an effort we have made to regulate it to legislate it and to allow it I was also <laughs> going to say also take the fear away from it that's right because you know a lot of people just the so you stigma know out of it exactly. quite frankly yeah because people are, are, are sitting there actually in in the marketplace saying hey listen you know we can't we can't do this but you know on the sly they do it and and I don't think it's necessary I think an open-minded you know, city allows this to happen. That's right. You know, we've had so much of it in in the Toronto area. You know, part part of the downtown core. It's amazing. You know, you have your duplexes and triplexes, which just means you know two or three residents in one location. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think it's important that that our listeners know that you know, it's not that you're looking the other way. You're actually you're actually looking at it, saying, listen. We, we want to accept it, we want to encourage it to a certain extent because we need to have the ability of housing people in our fair city. Right. And, you know, we don't have any more land, so there's only so much, as, <laughs> as, as you said. Uh, I'm just going to touch on one thing. I think it's very important. Um, you'll have my vote, oh, of course, you. but coming up, you've got an election coming up in I October. Do, um, you know, I, you know we, we, you know, obviously everybody has their, their right to decide who they want to go with, but by all means, I, I'm, I'm happy for you to tell us, you know, you're very proud of Mississauga. And I, every time I meet with you, you know, I'm, I'm just so... I've been called the biggest cheerleader. Yeah, you know, I, I <laughs> agree. Ambassador, you know, I and, agree. And, 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 you know, as I said, I, I, you know, you and I have met a lot of, you know, different occasions, different places. And the one thing is, I always see you beaming when you talk about Mississauga. Thank you. I do. So, I'm so proud of my city and I am our biggest ambassador. And there's so much more to be done. And really, I think that this election is really about a strong, steady hand. It's about experience and it's about the plan that we have. And I think I've provided um, a great leadership after Hazel. I think that people were very pleased that there was, um, um, you know, really no dislocation. It was very smooth transition. We hit the ground running. I think I provided strong and steady leadership at City Hall. I have the experience and the vision of how what I want to what I'd like to accomplish for our great city. And we have a plan to make it get it done. I have a great council. We um, we have. 
two open seats that uh, the councillor, one has retired and one has passed away, sadly, yes, Jim Tovey. Yep. So we'll definitely have two new members, but you never know what happens in an election campaign. We could have more than two, but we'll definitely have two. And we're going to work on our priorities, and our priorities have been the same for the past few years. It's been about our infrastructure, making sure it's world-class. It's building our transit uh, and transportation networks. As I mentioned already, we're building out our LRT. We had a commitment from the provincial previous provincial government, and I haven't heard otherwise from this government, so I'm hopeful we're moving forward. $1.4 billion LRT, uh, which is 20 kilometers along here, Ontario, 22 different stops. Very proud of that. It'll revitalize the corridor. Sure. It's also leading to the, the, the building of 22, actually, heard about five more, 27, 27, yes. 27 new towers in the downtown because the LRT loops around the downtown, yes. then it goes, continues north to Brampton. And as a result of that, the, with the building community, just to incentivize people using the LRT, we've given them parking concessions. So in the old days, you had to provide two units, uh, to, excuse me, two parking spaces per unit, and then it was one, and now it's under one. Yeah. It's a 0.7 or 0.8 per unit. Go. So there you go. We've got the BRT coming on board. We're looking closely at the Dundas Street corridor, what more can be done along Dundas to connect with, connect with Kipling. Sure. And of course, now we're we're paying attention to Lakeshore because yep. I have so much development oh, going so on at Lakeview yes. and the West Village. We're so proud yep. of that. But when you have fifty six thousand people coming and sixteen thousand jobs, you know we're going to have to provide additional transit down yep. down in that corridor uh, along Lakeshore. But also all day two way go train service on the Milton Line. We need to get the freight train traffic off the Milton Line so we can be used for commuter traffic all day long. Yep. Because I've been saying that the train goes the wrong way it needs to pick people up in toronto and bring them to mississauga in the yeah, morning not exactly the other way around, so that's sure. that's our key priority and then of course affordability is always such an important issue yep. i need to keep mississauga affordable for our families for our middle income earners so we've got the housing strategy we're committed to keep our keeping our taxes competitive around the rate of inflation mississauga is known to have lower than average tax increases around the gta yep. across the gta ours is lower than average toronto's is a little bit lower, I will agree. They have other revenue tools that none of the other cities have, so they are able to keep their taxes a little bit lower. Our business taxes are the lowest in the one of the lowest in the GTA. That's why we have all those businesses located in yeah. Mississauga. Plus, I like to think it's because of great governance and certainty too. Now, a new issue that has been percolating, and I, I want to address this election cycle, is is community safety. Right. Now, we are still one of the safest cities in all of Canada, but people aren't feeling safe. And so because there has been a little bit of increase in crime uh, in the Peel area, and we're working very closely with Peel Regional Police and Chief Jennifer Evans on a plan. We plan to have a, a community safety summit with this existing council, and then, of course, it'll be an, 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 a big issue that will carry on to the new council. Knock on wood, they're on the new council. Always <laughs> yep. no temp debates. Uh, we want to tackle the issue of gun violence in our communities and what can be done to eliminate. And, you know, there have just been too many lives lost. So yep. community safety is an issue. It's on the rise, and it's something I feel very strongly about. I want people to feel very safe in our communities. And Mississauga, 
still one of the safest cities in Canada and it must remain so and that's why we're going to put a focus on this. So moving forward it's about breaking gridlock, about moving our city forward. We have as I told you a, a vibrant, diverse, inclusive, beautiful city. We're welcoming of all people. We have a great city where Hazel McCallion was our steward for 36 years and she watched our, our tax revenue like a hawk and I yeah. plan to watch our <laughs> residents tax revenue in the same way. We're all taxpayers, right? Yeah. So we want to keep it as low as possible. And I think that with the experience that I bring and the strong, steady hand and the vision that I have for our city, our city's growth and maturity, I mean, I've been given an incredible opportunity to take us to our next chapter. Yep. Our history was written by Hazel, and I have an opportunity to to write the, start writing the next chapter. Yeah. And it's a, it's a real privilege. It's been an honor to serve, if I may say, for four years. And I would certainly be honored if, if given the privilege of four more years. Well, that's wonderful. And um, you know what? I think that uh, everybody can can respect the fact that you want to make it safe and affordable. So I think it's a wonderful you know platform to look at. And uh, Madam Mayor, I want to thank you once again for joining me. It's always a pleasure to have you thank on the show. You so much. And I wish you all the best uh, in the upcoming election, folks. Uh, the Mayor of Mississauga, the Honorable Bonnie Crombie, has just been wonderful to have on. I want to thank Greg Bennell for joining me as well. And I want to thank Ian Grant, my producer, as he always keeps everything simple. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.